Well, I, I wanted to uh, get into some more apologetics today. And uh, we're going to talk today about uh, what it means when uh, we talk about the reliability of the Word of God and uh, what that means for us. So we're going to jump right into this. Uh, there's some scriptures that I want to share with you um, as the scriptures come up on the screen. You know, there's a lot of, most churches, uh, Christian churches have statements of faith. And in their statements of faith, they talk about the different things that they believe. And, and one of the things that you'll see in a lot of churches' statements of faith is they will say something like this. The Bible is divinely inspired, authoritative, and reliable. It is infallible. Uh, it is fully trustworthy for understanding the Christian faith and living the Christian life. And, uh, and I agree with that statement. And, and you'll find that in a lot of statements. Um, some people would say this. They would say, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it, right? And uh, I, 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 can, I can totally agree with that. I, I get with that. You know, there are people that they don't, have to, they don't have to have any kind of proof that the Word of God is the Word of God. They just believe it. And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When a person is that way and they stand on that, I'm that way myself. Uh, maybe it's because of my upbringing, I'm not sure, but I, I believe that. Uh, I'm not a person that, that really needs that kind of proof. But, and, and you might not be either. And you might be thinking, why do we need to talk about this? Well, you may be thinking, I, I don't need any of that proof, but maybe your grandchildren do. Maybe your children do. Maybe your grandchildren do. And so how can we be better equipped to help them get through those things and those doubts and those questions? Because I think that's really important to be able to talk to them about such things. And so the Bible actually declares this. The church didn't come up with this idea that the Bible's reliable and the Bible's authoritative and the Bible's inspired. Uh, church didn't come up with that. It's in Scripture. And Scripture informs a lot of what we do and a lot of what we think and a lot of what we, uh, how we operate. Uh, if you would notice, if, we were, if you were paying attention to the songs that we were singing today and the songs that Crystal just sang, those songs were word of God informed. We don't have those songs without the word of God, right? And so... We look at the Word of God, and the Word of God says some things that I think are important for us and, and help us to, to, to see this and understand this. Uh, one of the ones that I uh, wanted to bring to your attention is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, and, uh, or through 23 through 25. And it says, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So there's scripture telling us what we're talking about. Uh, there's another scripture, and it's Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, 
equipped for every good work. And then there's another scripture, and this one is found in uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 20 and 21. It says, above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so, basically, these scriptures are telling us that scripture comes from God. It's inspired, it's infallible, it's authoritative, and so we know these things. Now, those are Old Test- or New Testament scriptures. If you go to the Old Testament, uh, the words, God said, God said this, or the Lord uh, came to, uh, to, to, to Moses and said this, uh, those phrases about God saying and God said are found 20,000, over 20,000 times in the Old Testament. <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? So there's a lot of things that, in which we see that the Bible is proclaiming. Uh, it, it's, it proclaims itself as inspirational, authoritative, and reliable. Uh, now that may sound like circular reasoning. Uh, some of you who are maybe uh, been in the debate club or whatever, uh, you might say, well, that's circular reasoning. Circular reason is basically when you end with what you start with, right? That's circular reasoning. And that, and that is circular reasoning. But um, again, it goes back to whether you believe the word. If you believe the word, then that circular reason makes sense to you and you're, you're able to grasp it and you're willing to grasp it. Um, but let me give you some other things. Let me give you some other details that I think are important. Uh, the Bible was written over a span of approximately 1,500 years. Isn't that incredible? That this book was written over the span of 1,500 years? It's incredible. Uh, the Bible has approximately 40 different authors. Uh, the authors were kings, uh, Solomon. Military generals, Joshua, prime ministers, Daniel, fishermen, Peter, tax collectors, Matthew, shepherds, David, cupbearers to the king, Nehemiah, Jews, John, and many others, and Gentiles, Luke. The books of the Bible were written in the wilderness, Moses, in prison, Paul, in a palace, Solomon, and on the island of Patmos, uh, John. They were, written in, uh, uh, they were written in three different continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. The Bible was written in uh, three different languages, Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. The Bible deals with history, law, poetry, and prophecy. And uh, when you begin to think about all of these things, it's incredible that in the span of all the scriptures, with all of these authors and all of these, uh, the span of time and uh, written in all of these places, that the Bible doesn't ever contradict itself. Now, if I was to uh, have several of you write your opinion on something that had to do with uh, culture and what's going on in culture and what we should do and what we shouldn't do, let's just say I picked 50 of you to write that down. Do you think that we would have 50 people agreeing on all of that? And yet the Bible agrees on all of those kinds of things. Uh, it deals with many different social issues and has the most accurate description 
of life and love and joy and grief. It's full of wisdom for living and honoring God, respecting others, loving God, loving others. And it's just incredible how God put it all together. Here's another gem that testifies to the Bible's divine origins. If you go from Genesis to Revelation, there's a common theme. So 1,500 years, 40 different writers, and yet it has this common theme from the beginning to the end. And as it shares this common theme, one thing that it shares over and over again, I should say one person that it shares over and over again is Jesus. It keeps telling us about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. And you say, Jesus is in the Old Testament. Yes, he is through prophecy, through through. Uh, the different things that happen through symbolism, through typology, Jesus is proclaimed over and over again from Genesis to Revelation. Now, Jesus himself pointed this out. So in the book of John, uh, John chapter 5, uh, verse 39, and then uh, 40, 46 and 47, uh, Jesus said this. He said, you pour over the scriptures. Now, he's talking to people pouring over scriptures. What, is he, what scriptures is he talking about? Old Testament. Old Testament, right? So you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. Okay? When you get to 46 and 47, it says, For if you believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. <laughs> but if you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe my words? And then you drop down, uh, or, or actually you go back to Luke. Luke, uh, in the 24th uh, chapter, verses 27 and 44, this is when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus. He's walking with some disciples. And as he's walking with these disciples, he's talking to them. And it says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. So Jesus was telling those people and the people who listened to him that I am all through the scriptures. Okay? The Bible has been proven by and never disproven by what we know in history. And what has been discovered by archaeology. The dates of the writings of the books coincide with historical figures that we know. The Bible provides evidence of changed lives. And the accuracy of the Bible describing life and its outcomes is un- it's uncanny. I'll give you one scripture. There's several in your, in, your, um, in your digital bulletin and in your handout. But I'll give you one scripture in particular uh, and that is from Romans, or, or I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. And it simply says this, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Is that true? It's absolutely true, isn't it? It's funny because a long, long, long time ago, okay, a long time ago, I worked at Sears, okay? I worked at Sears in the men's department, I was an associate, and I worked at Sears. And I let any of you who have worked retail, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? People come in, and they are full of wrath because they want this, and you don't have it. Or they uh, are mad that you won't take 
their jeans back, even though their jeans have grass stains on the knees. They didn't fit. Well, then why did you slide in them in the grass? You know, it, that's what I wanted to say. But, but when you get somebody who wants to argue, one of the worst things you can do is get angry with them, right? Because when you get angry with them, it becomes a shouting match. You stay calm. You give a gentle answer. I remember one time I, I was handling a customer like that, and they were mad, they were angry, they were yelling, and I was being gentle, and, and they, finally they walked away. They, I forget how it ended, but they walked away. And another associate came up to me and was like, man, how did, you just like stayed calm. And I, and I told him, I said, the Bible says that, you know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. They were like, what? I said, yeah, the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that. And the Bible tells us a lot of things how to deal with life the right way. Right? Yeah. Knowing God and living in a relationship with him are dependent upon us receiving and possessing an accurate revelation of God. How could we know him without having the word of God? Without a reliable Bible, we have no assurance that who we follow and what we follow is true and accurate. And so this is why the Bible has been preserved by God in miraculous ways throughout history. First, God provided the inspiration of his word. He supervised the transmission of his word. He repeatedly reinforced its reliability. The Bible has had more opposition to it than any other book in the history of the world. It has. No other book has been banned, burned, and attempts made to discredit it in, in the entire existence of the world. But God has protected and preserved it. Time has tried to diminish it and, and, uh, and discredit it. But the message is as strong today as it ever was. People have tried to soften it, but it stands by itself without interpretation, without personal interpretation. And that is some of the great evidence found within the word itself and, and also from the world around us. But there is evidence of the reliability of God in other ways. Let me give you a few pieces. Uh, unfortunately, none of the original writings of the Bible remain. Okay? I don't know whether you knew that or not, but that's, that's important for you to know. Because if you're talking to somebody and they kind of know their stuff, they may say to you, well, none of those original writings, are, you know, we, we don't have any of those original writings. And if you say, yes, we do, you'd be wrong because we don't. We don't have, we don't have the original uh, papyrus that Matthew wrote these words on, like with his own hand, <laughs> okay? And it's important to know that. What we have is copies of copies of copies, all right? Now, you might be thinking, Ooh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> but it's okay because the amount of copies that we have is just unbelievable. Like the, the, the uh, we have, a, to say we have a lot of copies is like, it's a very big understatement, okay? So there are 5,800 surviving Greek, Greek copies from the early 2nd century to the 4th century. Okay, 5,800 
surviving Greek copies from the early 2nd century to the 4th century. These manuscripts contain a mind-blowing, you ready for this? These manuscripts contain a mind-blowing 2.6 million pages. 2.6 million pages. Okay? That's a lot. So anywhere from 101 A.D. to 400 A.D., we have these Greek manuscripts, and we have, and it, and it contains 2.6 million pages. Some of these ancient manuscripts contain almost the entire Bible in and of itself. Historians base the validity of ancient manuscripts on how many manuscripts that we have and the closeness to the time in which they were written, the originals were written. Okay, that's how, that is the way they evaluate. That is the way they evaluate the authenticity. And so when they look at the New Testament, when they, when they just look at the New Testament, and they compare it with other ancient documents, other ancient writings. The New Testament far outweighs any other ancient writings that the world has. Like, it's not even close. So let me give you some, uh, some numbers on that, okay? Everything we know about Julius Caesar is derived from 10 manuscript copies, the earliest of which dates to within 1,000 years of which it was written, the original was written. Okay, everything we have from the Iliad and the Odyssey by Homer is supported by 1,757 manuscripts with a 400 time gap from the original. Tacitus was a Roman historian and he wrote the Annals of Rome and he wrote those around AD 100. But all the manuscripts that we have of those originals are dated 1,100 years later. And the manuscripts that we have of that or two, okay? So these things that people all like say, yeah, we, we have the history of Rome and the Trojan Wars. We have, you know, we have all of this history and they don't even question. There's no question about whether it's real, whether it's authentic. And they just have just handfuls of manuscripts and the dates are way far away from the originals, okay? So... When you include the manuscripts of the New Testament in every language in which we have copies, that includes the 5,800 Greek manuscripts. It also includes 10,000 Latin manuscripts and 9,300 manuscripts in other various languages. We have nearly 25,100 manuscripts of the New Testament, the earliest of which was dated only 50 to 100 years of the original writings. That's incredible. That is incredible. Now, you remember I said that nothing has been tried to be, to, to, to be banned and burned and discredited more than the Bible? Think about that. With that idea that nothing has, nothing has been gone after to try to get rid of as much as the Bible, and we have that many manuscripts close to that time period when it was actually originally written. Folks, that is a miracle. That's God. Only God could do that. Only God could preserve and protect his word that way. It's, it's truly incredible. Now, I want to show you a picture 
this is a picture of of uh, John's. This is a picture of John 18. Okay, this is a picture of a fragment of John 18. Okay, and this fragment is called because they label these fragments when they find them. They label them. This fragment is called P52. Sounds like an airplane, I know, but it's not. All right? It's called P52, and P52 dates to within 50 years of the time of John's life. 50 years of the time of John's life. Now, when, when you look at that, we know from this fragment that in the first half of the second century, there were Christians reading the very same words of God that we are reading today from the Bible. That's incredible. That is incredible. So you open and you look at John 18 and you read through John 18, you are reading the same words that Christians were reading back in like 100 AD. Is that incredible or what? It's, a, it's, a, it's fantastic. Now I want to show you another picture. This picture, I got P52 off of the internet, uh, but this picture is actually, and you can actually go to the next one first. This picture is a picture I actually took. I wasn't on an archaeological dig or anything. I, I, that'd be so cool. I'd love to do that, but, but I wasn't. But I took this picture, um, and I brought my water bottle with me uh, from the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., all right? I took this picture from the Bible Museum. I, I actually snapped this picture. And, uh, and this picture is actually a fragment of Romans chapter 5. Okay? This is a picture of a fragment of Romans chapter 5. They date it as around 200 A.D. 200 A.D. And this is from Romans uh, 5, 8 through 13. And so... Uh, I don't know if you've read this, this passage before, but if you go back one, uh, and that's really small for me to read. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but this is uh, what it says, that, that fragment is saying this, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely than how having been justified by the blood, we will be saved through him from the, the wrath of God. For if we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. For, but more than that, um, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. That is that fragment. And we're still reading it today. It's, it's, it's just amazing. Now, here's another great point. The New Testament was quoted extensively by the early church fathers. Men such as Ignatius and Polycarp, uh, who were students of John, uh, John the Apostle, and Clement, a student of Paul the Apostle, they referenced and quoted so much from John and Paul 
that we know from their writings that Jesus was predicted by the Old Testament as described in the New Testament. Jesus is divine and, and, it's, and that is described in the New Testament. Jesus taught his disciples as described in the New Testament. Jesus worked miracles as described in the New Testament. Jesus was born of a virgin as described in the New Testament. Jesus lived, ministered, and was crucified and died as described in the New Testament. And Jesus rose from the dead and demonstrated his deity as it was described in the New Testament. So we have this massive stack of early copies, uh, the, the scriptures, the manuscripts. We also have these quotations uh, in the, uh, from the New Testament by church, early church leaders that if we took all of them, we could almost reproduce the New Testament just from their quotes, okay? And we still have those as well. In addition to historical support from within the religious community, there is also impressive evidence from outside of the religious community as well. So what does all this tell us? You know, that's, that's a lot of information. I know that's a lot. That's just a lot of facts and a lot of things. And uh, some of you are probably like, oh, man, isn't this going to be done? <laughs> and I get it if you feel that way. But, but it's so important that we understand that what we have, that what we have has been preserved by God for us. Why is it important? Because, let me put it this way, if, and this isn't really an if, this is true of me, and I, I think I've kind of alluded to this before, but if I, I knew that I was going to be leaving this earth, I knew I wasn't going to be around physically anymore, I would want my family to know some things. I would want my family to remember some things. I would want to do my best before I left to direct my family in the right direction. Because when I'm gone, I want them to keep following Jesus. I want them to keep the faith. I want them to, to know that just because I'm gone, it's not time to like give up on faith. So there would be things that I would want to I would want to communicate to them. I'd want to leave them with. I, I, I want to be able to, to share some things with them because there will be a time that we will not be able to sit across the table from each other and look at each other face to face and ask questions. Right? Don't you think that a loving God would want to leave us with some things so we didn't have to wonder? So we didn't have to make things up so that we would know his, his truth and how to live and what it means to be saved and to walk with him and to be prepared to be with him forever? Of course. Of course. And so he gave us his word. And then through time, the transmission, the copies, the different things that took place, he protected it. He made sure that it stayed the same because he wants us in 2023 in Talmadge, Ohio, to know him. 
And how would we know him without that? So I want to leave you with one more scripture thought, one more scripture and one more thought, okay? This is from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And, and uh, just, just look at this. This is, this is incredible. This is one of those things where we talked about how the word tells us about life and the way life is. It really nails it here, okay? It really nails it here. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. <laughs> We're there. Adam and Eve started this. <laughs> they started this uh, believing a lie in the garden. And it started with this phrase. Did God really say, right? Isn't that what the serpent hit him with? Did God really say? And so right away, what was happening in the beginning, the reliability of God's word was being undermined, right? And, and so we see this then throughout the scriptures, throughout the, the time and the history of God's people. The Israelites believed lies in the wilderness. David believed lies to, uh, to be with Bathsheba. And it goes on and on and on. People do the same thing today to get their own way and to do the things that satisfy their own desires and their own wants and their own biases. People love the message of grace. But when they hear of a changed life and the thought of not being able to do whatever they want to do, they refuse to believe the Bible has authority and truth for living. And it is at this point that people will question whether it is reliable or not. Did God really say? So people refuse to believe the truth not based on what is true and what is false, but based on what they desire. And it goes right back to Adam and Eve, doesn't it? When we accept the Bible for what it is, the reliable and revealed word of God, it becomes personal. Amen. It becomes personal. And so when it becomes personal, its instructions now then are for me, for my good, coming from a God who truly loves me and has my best interest at his heart. So when I read something that tells me something that I, oh man, I, I don't like that. Oh, I, but I want to do this. God's word saying, no, don't do that.
that. Don't go that direction. You, you can't go that way. My word guides you the other way. And why is my word guiding you the other way? Because I love you. And I know what's best for you. Will you believe me? Or will you say, did God really say? So our challenge today is the same challenge from the beginning. <laughs> to embrace what God says and to live according to it because he has kept his word reliable for us. And he's done it in miraculous ways because he loves us.